welcome to the Fertility Conversations podcast. The goal of this podcast is to create more awareness about infertility and to provide support to people trying to conceive. Thank you for listening today, and we hope you will be encouraged. And now, here is your host, Ola. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fertility Conversations. Today, I'm joined by Chris, uh, who is an infertility advocate in the UK. He'll be sharing his journey to parenthood with us today, and his details will also be in the show notes. So welcome, Chris, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Ola. Thanks very much for having me. Yay. So to start off, we usually say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, just uh, keep it nice and brief for you. But basically, I'm in the UK. Um, We started our sort of fertility journey for started trying to get pregnant you know 10 or 11 years ago I'd say um and um yeah I mean how how far do you want me to go do you want me to talk about do you want me to, do you want me to go all the way um I'll just keep talking so yeah um yeah basically we started like 11 12 years ago um went through the whole that whole cycle of you know you've got to keep trying for so long and then um and then I sort of discovered that it was an issue with with me um and then we we ended up going down a different journey um specifically IUI and then we were successful Elsie's now nine years old um and yeah I'm just doing I'm you know obviously we met on Clubhouse um so I like to try and get involved with other people who um maybe I can help them with experiences that I've had um you know people I know or and just learning as well, learning, hearing people's stories and learning how I can help or, and also, you know, understanding other people's perspectives, I think is really important as well. Um, and one of the things that's come up recently is this, I suppose, it, well, it actually came out of that clubhouse chat we were having about, you know, we were talking about um, what you would tell your younger self. And we were talking about actually the importance, the importance of fertility around the 18 to 25 year old range and what could we do to raise awareness in that space and that's something that I'm now sort of keen to try and do more in so it's good wonderful thank you so much for sharing and and yes good job on the the whole conversation trying to help the younger generation that's what we want to do to make sure things are much better for them so well done and uh, working to make something happen out of that I mean, I'm going to need lots of help, Holla, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm literally, like, I am not, it's like, it's like I'm a doctor or anything. I'm going to be, like, pulling loads of people's experiences together so that we can have, you know, like, real-life insight for people yeah. who are, quite frankly, you know, when I was 18, 20, 25, I didn't, I'm not, I wasn't thinking about having kids, you know, like, it's not even on my, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, so it needs to be something a bit, a bit um, left field, I think, to grab the people, you know, grab that age group, um, yeah. grab their attention, because you know, it's, uh, the position is quite key, I think. But I'll talk to you about it off another time. Offline. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. Thank you. So when you're speaking about, you know, you did all the tests trying to get pregnant. Sorry. Well, yeah, trying to get pregnant. Yes, your wife getting pregnant. Um, <laughs> But so, so what happened from when you were trying and then finding out your diagnosis and then moving forward 
Yeah. Um, so it was it was a weird one because, as I say, you know, you have to go through the you have to try for a period of time. Then my wife had loads of tests, um, bloods and hormones and all the rest of it. And, um, and everything was fine with her. Um, and then they sort of came back to me. They were like, right, you have to give us some samples. And then um, it was it was it wasn't like I had to I could do it. I could basically create the sample and then take it to the hospital. Um, and then I had to do like, I think I had to do like one a month for like three, three months. So I remember doing them for more, more than, more than one. And then I was invited back to see my, I think, I think I was invited back to see my GP or I can't actually remember because it was so long ago. Um, but it was basically, look, you know, there's, there's, there is no, there is no sperm there. There's nothing, you know, there's, there's nothing in the sample. So you need to go down the IUI route. So it was very like, it was like, it was a matter of fact for us. We had an answer, you know, we've been trying for so long and that the more you try, <laughs> the more you want a child. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, it gets, it, it's not, it's not pleasant going through that. Everyone else is having kids. Why can't, you know, why can't we have kids? Like this is so unfair. Um, yeah. And yeah, so we, um, but it was it was it was really helpful because it was like well this is the problem, so you have to go IUI, and then from there it was it was really good for us. Um, you know we we live in Preston. Um, it's about four, it's about forty minutes from Manchester. So the NHS they introduced us to a clinic in, in Manchester. So um, we had to go through like a whole process. You know, go and see um, like a psych psychiatrist. Um, you know. Well, I suppose it's not a psychiatrist, like a consultant. You know, they basically they talk to you about your family, about your situation. They look, you know, they um, they make you talk about your age and and all this sort of thing. And then you have to go to uh, we have to go to like a group, not group therapy, but like group discussion. So like other parents who were in the same boat as us, um, not necessarily, um, not necessarily looking for all donor sperm, so maybe donor eggs, but all in that same boat, older, our age, all couples who can't get pregnant, all sitting around talking to talking to each other. Um, and then we had um, this one particular time, a, a mum came in with her son, who at the time must have been about 16, and he was born from RUI. So it's quite cool to actually see, like, see the dynamic and ask questions and, and that right. of both the mother and the son, which was really helpful um and then yeah then you have to go through like the the sort of the more uh i suppose psych psychological uh meetings really just to make sure that you know you're a, you're a, like a cushy unit um and that you're you know a, a match to the process i guess um and then yeah once you get through that then um i think that was that was a couple of months and then we then we were told right you know you've got um You've been matched to a profile type, uh, like a, you know, because they, they basically take you. And I'm sure actually most of your listeners know about IUI, but um, for anyone who doesn't, they basically take the profile of um, whoever, if it's like donor sperm, the man. So for me, six foot dark hair, you know, that is literally That's it. it. Dark, hair, dark <laughs> hair is like full stop. Um, uh, but yeah, the donor, the donor profile came back a match, except the guy had blue eyes and we were like, well, that's fine. Like, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like, it's, you know, it's cool. Um, 
And yeah, we actually went, we were meant to go on the, like, one well, say month one. Um, but then we were like, well, we're going away to, we're going away on holiday. We don't want to be like all stressed out with having the treatment and then flying and not being all worried about that. And will the flight affect the pregnancy? And we're just like, right, let's just do it when we get back. So yeah, we went on holiday, we came back. And then they booked us in for the treatment. And then my wife, EJ, she had to drive. So she had to wait for a period to end. And then she had to drive to Manchester every morning for like half past seven or whatever to have a, whole, a blood done. Oh, wow. Every day for like two two weeks, maybe just shy of two weeks. And then once the hormones hit that right level, they said, right, you're coming back in tomorrow for the treatment. So then we both went. Um and then, yeah, that was it. It was cool. Came back. Um, and then, yeah, um, well, as I say, you know, I've said to you many a time, like, you know, I am not made for having kids, but my wife is. <laughs> like, you know, she, literally we were super lucky, um, you know, first treatment, uh, first time, first treatment um, with, with the result that we wanted, really. Um, but I remember because my wife did the pregnancy test and like, she wouldn't she couldn't look at it she was like so she's like i can't i can't I can't and it was like on the side of the bath in the bathroom yeah. and i was like well i'm gonna have a look and i look i'm looking at this pregnancy test going well i know the result <laughs> and she's going <laughs> she's going well what is it i mean well, yeah come and look at it then <laughs> so and then you know i could see it like at the top of the stairs in our old house like it was amazing um and like you know we were super super fortunate to to get there so quickly um but yeah that was it was nine Nine and a half years ago. Well, nine and a half years ago, once he was born, so probably ten, ten and a bit years. So, yeah, that's it. That is beautiful. Thank you for sharing. So my my pleasure. Thank you. And you know, when you when when you when you got that diagnosis, uh, I wonder, did you speak to the doctors to see if there's anything that you could have done when you were younger? Would it have made any difference? Well what they what they said was that i actually have a a genetic disorder so uh it's, it affects like one in they think they don't really it's weird the, the doctors don't really know that much about it um it affects they think between one in four or one in 600 men where you've got the the female sex chromosome in your dna it's like women are women are X, I can't remember. I think women are XX, aren't they? And then men are yeah, XY. Yeah, and then men are XY. Mm -hmm. That's right, yeah. yeah. So I have an extra chromosome. I have XY, but I have an extra X. So because of that, I've got like an extra um, DNA thing in my sequence, whatever. Um, and, and the side effect of that is that I can't, I can't have kids. Um, but but um, as I say, it's, it's, a really, it's a really weird disorder like some I think one of the things that the doctors offered was they said well you we could go in and try and extract sperm directly from like your, your testicles like we could go in and do right. that but the doctor said to me you know but it's painful and I was thinking I remember thinking God, if the doctor if the doctor's telling me it's painful <laughs> like like that I, I don't want it, I don't want that like that's going to be awful and I know obviously so since since speaking to other people who've had that done, I like I'm like I'm so I'm glad I didn't do that. It's not even sure. 
Uh, yeah, and um, and and I think it's about the about and the, my disorder, the genetic disorder, is called Kleinfelter syndrome. Hmm. Um, and there's like side effects. There's loads of mis- loads of misinformation online. Um, but it is weird because I think some in some cases, um, patients with ex- with uh, Kleinfelters have been successful through that treatment, so they've been able to extract sperm, oh. and then use you know IUI or ICSI, I think it's called. Um, to then get pregnant but then in that instance their child will have the genetic, the, the genetic disorder again plus oh. plus another allele and there's the side effects like um it's always really weird it's, you know i'm i suppose the very very weak and i don't well, you know, literally i've got a little bit of man man chestness um, and I always collect weight around my waist, regardless of what exercise I do. Um, but then there's there's people, and that's it really. But there's, there's there's people who have it who struggle with you know speech impediments and learning disorders, and you know it's it's a it's really it's really bizarre, really. Um, and I don't I, I'm not you know I'm not uh, well versed on it. I don't you know I've only really I've only I don't yeah. It's weird in the states. I think it, you can get it diagnosed before you're born, um, and the oh, parents choosing not to have kids because they have it. Like it's really like bizarre. But that is another conversation that I know nothing about. <laughs> so, so yeah. So to answer your question, I couldn't I couldn't have done anything different um, right. when I was younger. It's just it, it was what it was. Mm. Yeah, ask because you know we're always trying to promote information and educate the younger generation. So, uh, just wondered if uh, that could have had any impact. Uh, but of course, since it's a genetic condition, then that wouldn't really apply. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of your experience, and I mean, wonderful. You have a lovely daughter, nine nine and a half year old daughter now. Yeah. Yeah. Nine and a bit. Nine and a quarter. Quarter. <laughs> It's amazing how kids say that, right? Like nine and a quarter, nine and a half. But I'm like, oh, when you get older, you're like, you try to stay younger. You don't try to extend it. Like, you know, yeah. you don't try to catch up to 10 quickly. Yeah, no, no, you do not. No. <laughs> no. So I wonder, what did this whole experience, what impact did it have in your relationship with your wife? Did it, did it have any impact? Or? I think, um, I think, we, we, we've always made a good team anyway. Um, and, you know, for us, I guess, if anything, it just made us a stronger team because we, had, you know, we, we talked about it. We made the decision together. It wasn't, it was not a, you know, we need to go and get a donor sperm, right? That's fine. You know, we talked about it. I was, I think I had worries about it. Um, you know, I was, I was really, I was really, I was most worried about telling my parents. Um, but yeah, you know, we just, we, you know, we just worked through it. Like we, we talked, obviously we got the help and the direction from the hospital. We told, you know, once we'd, I can't remember if we, if I think, I think we waited until we'd had the treatment before we, no, that's not right. I was going to say before we told our friends. I think we shared. I think we shared a situation with our immediate group of friends, mm. um, because we were like, regardless of what happens, we want our mates to know what 
where we are and what the crack is and, and we want people to know um we want Elsie to be able to you know ask and talk about right. this openly with our friends if if she ever wants to so um i am getting around to answering your question i've gone off on a tangent but <laughs> basically yeah yeah i mean we you know we um we just kept talking so you know it and we are we are an awesome team um when you know so i guess to answer your question like it's just made us tighter really um which is, it, but it is it is really good and i think you are, in fact i'm not going to get ahead of myself i'm going to stop talking right carry on no <laughs> now if you have something else to say you can add it no it's you i think you, you're gonna ask me a question a bit later and i can add it then okay all right not a problem well so now you you told me how it impacted you yourself and your spouse and it made you tighter that's really amazing uh, because in some cases that's not what happens, right? You can't really put a strain on the relationship as well. So it's really glad that that's not the case in your situation. Uh, what what impact do you think he's had on you though? Like the whole, you know, finding out that diagnosis, coming to terms with having to use donor sperm, and just all of it. How how did it impact you? I think or change you? It's it's a good question. I I didn't. I had to ask my wife about this question because <laughs> I didn't, I can't remember, difficult to remember something that was, you know, almost 10 years ago. Um, and she, she thinks that it did affect me initially, but then actually once we, you know, over the last, over the, I suppose, it, especially once Elsie was born, like it, it, all of that worry. And, you know, I was worried about stupid things like, you know, like well I say stupid things they, I suppose in hindsight to me they're stupid now but like you know like will the baby like me like you know <laughs> so yeah. I was like worried about these things and I was as I say I was super worried about telling my parents um and I think I also um when you sent me when you were first when we first talked about doing this podcast I spoke to some of the friends about you know did, like because I remember going out and just getting drunk and telling my mates, <laughs> like literally we'd be like half, half, well, half cut. So you get British phrase about being smashed. Um, and uh, like the guys, the, the, my mate had come back from the bar and I'd be like, right gents, guess what? I can't have kids. And that, they'd be like, Whoa. back in a minute. Like, <laughs> like, you know, it was, um, but, but, and then, and then, so I did that. Then I had like, Literally, I'd be like crying in the pub with my mates going, oh, my God, like this. But to be fair, I'm quite emotional anyway. So they're used to me being a bit emotional. Um, and then, yeah, so so I spoke to my mates recently and said, look, you know, was this a recurring thing? Like, was it a one off? Was it like, because in my mind, it happened quite a lot. But to all the guys I spoke to, I basically shared it that first time, had my little cry and then I was fine. And then it never and then it never came up again. So I, I guess it was just me vocalizing it was a was a, I had to I'm that kind of person anyway if I've got a problem I need to talk about it um and then yeah when when it came to tell my parents like I was I had to tell my sister first like EJ and I EJ and my wife Emma Jane but EJ for short yeah. so EJ and I we sat down in my mum's mum and dad's place and my sister was there and I was like so we sat down we told my sister 
and then she was like obviously super supportive and like just happy for us in that we had a plan and that we were able to share our situation with her and then yeah told mum and dad and that they were this they were like obviously great you know great parents they they were like they were more they were instantly apologizing because they thought it was their fault so you know it was that was a, a lovely ex like experience in the end even though I was so worried about it um yeah so once we got through that um then we could focus on moving it forward really that's wonderful and then you went from all of that and then when Elsie was born you later wrote her book for her that's amazing. Um, yeah, well, yeah, because um, the NHS they give us a like a really awful book. It was like it was like a book for kids who were born through that from donor donor conception. Sorry, through donor conception. But it was like it was like written in like the seventies, and it was like some really awful like sexual education pregnancy story illustrated in like the 70s it was it was horrendous like <laughs> it, you know when you like you look at the storybooks that kids like to read and EJ and I we both just said this is this is, we can't we can't literally we, we cannot seriously consider sitting down and reading this to our daughter like when she's two you know like it's just not an option so um so yeah so I just created a a version which was for her um, so I just it's called it's called my story. So it's like it's that's her book there. Oh, that's so and so we waited we waited till she was like two, got a picture of her at, uh, at an event, and then we just filled it with like our our journey. So like how you know when we so all about like our relationship where we met, and then our like our journey, but in a in for a child. <laughs> so you know like really simple, not complicated. Um, and then, yeah, so she's had that since yeah, she was like two. So we used to read it to her. And then she, what something amazing happened, she then started, she wanted to take it. She took it to like nursery to show her class at nursery when she was like four. Oh. And then when she went to primary school, like she's still in now, but when she was at primary school, she uh, she took it in and, and, and sort of showed off as show and tell. And, you know, there's like, there's words in there that, you know, like he talks about egg and sperm and how it works and what you know, but in super simple terms um so yeah so Elsie's you know she knows she knows the crack she knows where she's from she knows like where we went to get the treatment you know and like it's just really good yeah really good that's amazing really love that that's really unusual but really amazing well done thank you thank you and, and do you know I didn't even I didn't even clock that it was like a big deal until very recently where I mentioned it to somebody, somebody else had gone on Clubhouse and he, he just sort of said, oh, you know, that, he said, he was like, you did what? <laughs> I like, made a book. He was like, what do you mean? And then I explained and he was like, that's amazing. So, so, you know, we've, we've kind of, I kind of positioned it as something that I can offer to other people um, if they're interested, but um you know even if it only helps one other person then that's that's cool I don't yeah. I'm sort of working that out really but it's for me it's it's about one of my one of my really good friends made a really astute observation which is that 
the because I, I it was it was for me personally um, because um, as I say I tell people all the time I, 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 I think it's part of our duty really to tell people you know about our circumstances because if they don't know they, they can't have any empathy or or, or even relate they might have like literally I mentioned it recently to um, a colleague and he then came back to me and told me that he and his wife were pregnant through donor reg and like you just okay. people don't talk about it enough like if and there's nothing to be ashamed of it's like just talk about it just tell yeah. people um and I, I was asking my friend about this and he said look the bigger the bigger the the, the more of a deal that you make about it as in if I make a big deal out of it when I'm telling people, then they are going to think it's a big deal. Whereas it's not. <laughs> so why make it yeah. just, I so saw now I just literally, I'll just drop it in. I'll just drop it into conversation. If it's relevant, you know, if it comes up, I suppose one of the things that used to frustrate me is um, if people don't know, then they don't know that you're, that they're offending you. Like there was, I used to work with a guy who, um, he was he was Asian and he had four kids, and he'd always always ask me, you know, when are you gonna have another kid? When are you gonna have another? Give me like a bit of banter, you know, like she's gonna have no one to play with, blah 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 blah. And I would just smile and nod, like you know. But really, now I'd be like, look, this is the crack, you know. <laughs> and yeah. and it's um, but people just people just assume that you know everyone everyone it's as easy for everyone as as it is for them, but it's not the case at all. It's not, but that's what we've been told when we were young, right? You're just told not to, try not to have sex or you get pregnant, try not to have sex or you get someone pregnant. So when yeah. you get to that age and you're like, oh, what's not happening? I thought this was supposed to be easy. Yeah, I've I, yeah I'm not using these condoms anymore. Why is it not good? <laughs> you know, right? Like, exactly. So, yeah. which yeah. is why it's so important that you keep these conversations going so people know, not to scare anyone away, but at least you're aware. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's not important. And, and and also, you know, I think it's I think it's really powerful that Elsie is it, it has complete transparency about about it, so she can talk to her friends about it. She's not yeah. There's no, it's not an issue. It's just that's what it is. Like you know. Yeah, I, I love that you you know you're so open with that because again, there's always that conversation about. Should you tell? Should you not tell? How will people react? How will people treat your daughter or your son? Um, so there's always that, you know, discussion and debate on either way. So when when you before Elsa was born or when Elsa was born, do you worry about maybe not telling or just telling a few people and trying to keep it? quiet like did you have those conversations with your wife or did you just decide that we're gonna make sure everyone knows yeah well you know what um the way that we there's a couple of things really the, the first one was that when when we were with the nhs they all their advice was be honest be honest with you with your child um about everything because it builds trust there's no surprises that can come out there's no awkward element where you know you pass the second birthday the third the fourth the fifth suddenly the 10 and then you're telling them when they're 12 like that's just you can almost see 
you know, and I, you know, people, I know people have, have done that, and there's been repercussions. You know, so, so yeah. So for us, it was look, we need to be absolutely categorically straight with Elsie, like about about where she's come from, um, and and also because we went through the NHS, there is a stepped procedure. Like if Elsie decides when she's 18 that she wants to find out more information, like she has to go through a a series of meetings with a like a psychiatrist. There's another word. It's not a psychiatrist. It's a, maybe a psychologist. Maybe. Psychologist. Yeah. 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 Um, so she has to go through like set meetings with those with a with a with a, with a professional. Um, and so so there was that which was good. But um, but yeah, what we originally decided was that I suppose because one is I I felt. I didn't want anyone to know. I've only really started talking about Klarfelters this year. I've not ever mentioned it before to anybody because I think I was a bit like, you know, a bit ashamed, like, you know, like just not ashamed, it's the wrong word, but I'm maybe a bit embarrassed by it. Like there's a, you know, like it was a bit of a, a bit of a, I was like, it's not, people don't need to know that. Like it's not, gonna, you know, it's not that important. Um, and, and, and indeed, Elsa doesn't know not, it's not relevant. My condition isn't isn't relevant to her. Um, but um, so that that's something that we've kind of kept a, a sort of away until now. Me talking about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think initially, obviously, I was worried about Kleinfeld. I don't want to talk about that. But let's tell our tight friends. We'll tell our family. We'll tell our tight circle of friends that we've got, um, and then we'll leave it there. Um, and so that's what we did. So we're always going to be always told those people. Um, and then as we've moved on in time, um, and I, you know, as, as I say, you know, I've been, I've been politely nodding, you know, when it's come up in conversation and not really talked about it, uh, apart from when I get drunk, obviously, and then completely shock people into like sudden like silence. And then people either address it or skirt over it as if I've not said anything, which they can't, they can't blame for that. I've just dropped a bombshell. <laughs> they go, oh my God, how do I deal with that? Um, to, um, so now where I'm mu- much more at ease and I would look, literally say it's just been this year where I've just become like more totally happy to talk about it, to talk to other people about their fertility challenges, to, you know, to, you know, to tell people, you know, not, not to pull people up on it, but you know, just to educate people who don't know, um, and because there's, there's nothing to, there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just that it's just the way it is. Um, so I think I've answered the question. Yes, you have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, you have. And and you in talking about that and and the male factor in fertility. I mean, the fact that it's um, increasing globally. Um, and of course, I love the fact that you're being vocal about it, at least speaking about your experience. Uh, in your opinion, what, what else can we do to raise awareness? So even because, I mean, I live in Nigeria and I don't think people even, like even when you, when you, when a couple is trying to, and they're having fertility delays and trying to have a baby, I haven't really seen where people, or it's not common, I'm sure it happens, but it's not common where people want to pray for for the for the woman and the man. 
instead it's usually let's pray for the woman for the fruit of the womb but again that's making an assumption that that's where the issue is but of course in some cases it could be from the male so how are we even starting to to create awareness to let people know to even get this conversation started yeah and i think you know one of the one of the real sort of pluses to me getting to know you um in the recent months all there is that my education of culture in nigeria has like expanded <laughs> it like massively um and i i, I honestly like that you know every time we're in a but but it's not a simple thing is it because there's a there's a whole denial thing amongst uh, well lo, lo, like lo, loads of people within the culture so yeah. it's super it's really difficult and i think in the uk like one of the things in fact the the thing i think was it that no let me just remember so this year was um I've obviously started a job recently, but last for the last sort of 18 months, I've been just trying to get by, basically. Um, I was going to start a job last year, and then that fell through because of COVID. Um, and um, at the start of this year, I wrote down some goals, like what are my top goals? And I want, you know, and like I, you know, I like helping people, and I, you know, I like bringing value. And it was really so that I could really kind of define, well, what is it I want to do, really? And one of the things at the top, the first thing at the top was raising awareness about fertility um and then so then i went out and i spoke to excuse me a guy from the uk fertility network and then he introduced me to um uh, this um documentary by this guy called um rod gilbert that's rod r-o-h-r-h-o-d gilbert and he's like a welsh comedian very sweary um and but he's he's really funny but basically he made a documentary on the bbc about his fertility journey um, because he and his wife were starting, tr were trying to have kids and he was discovering all the stuff that I discovered 10 years yeah. ago but because of his job, he was able to, you know, make a, make a documentary about it. And it's called him fertility, H I M fertility. You can watch it on the BBC iPlayer. Um, it's like an hour, but it's that I watched that in like February or March and it just really gave me the confidence to, to talk to other people and and I think literally if I'd not watched that we probably wouldn't be having this conversation um because it really kind of as I say just give me the confidence to be open really um and and try and do what I can to either you know listen to others and help other people who've gone through that problem but I think or go through the, the challenges of fertility but to answer your question I think you know so over here that's that that's a campaign that they'll be running um, in in collaboration with uh, the UK Fertility Network to raise awareness of specifically male fertility um, problems and what to look out for and things and um, it'll be inter interesting to see what happens. Um, I'm sure these things I feel like they come in peaks and troughs. You know, like I'm sure there's always you know like a testicular cancer awareness campaign that happens and then. And then it gets forgotten about, you know, so it'd be interesting to see if they can build, build the momentum. I know that the, um, they organize sort of like specifically male, um, uh, what you call it, uh, support groups 
through the UK Fertility Network. So if you're a bloke and you've got, if you're suffering with challenges with your fertility or your partner's fertility, you can go and talk to other men about um, about your situation. You can ask questions and get answers from other people. So it's a really good support group that they're building there. Um, and I know, well, I like to think there's, there's hopefully scope that they can, you know, I think, I think the plan, I think the original plan before COVID was that they were getting out and, you know, getting out into communities and stuff and, you know, like trying to raise awareness and things, but it's, but mm. so that, that, that's one thing that's, uh, that it's, it's, it's like we were saying before, you know, you only think about kids when you want to have kids. Yeah. And like, for me, that was when I was, you know, we started that when I was like 20, 27 or 28. Um, and yeah, so, but it was not even on my radar before then. Not at all. All I cared about was having a good time. <laughs> Literally, you know, friends, laughing, playing sport. Like, it's, it's just where your world is. So I think, you know, I think there's lots to be done to try and raise awareness because there's that, um, when you're that age, it's, it, can be, it can be really difficult. Um, I'm interested, there's a lady who runs um, a, there's a fertility um, group called Fertility Fest, which is cool. The website's wicked, like it's really bright and it's all about, they do lots of um, awareness around like um, arts campaigns and projects and stuff, which is really, I think it's really, a really good way to do it um but yeah but that's just in the uk you know so I, and I, and it's um i think to answer, i think there's lots to be done i could just keep talking but you know it's it's um the the cult the cultural barrier and and I, and I don't as i say i don't mean it in the wrong way but like the the element of denial that comes across when you explain to me and when i like when i read um stay with me stay with, yeah you know there's, there's clearly like I can only describe it as denial it, of some of the of, of the realities of making babies, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> how you get past that, I don't know. Like it's it's a it's a it's tough, isn't it? And I think the, and, and and you know what the work that you're doing, building you know building awareness and doing these podcasts and and getting people to share their stories, I think is a fantastic thing. Like just getting real people talking about the, the, what their what their experiences have been and because literally one of the things i've seen is you tell you share your story and people are like that you just help them in sharing and i think it's brilliant and i yeah. think you know this is you're going to be you're building something which you can leapfrog off of you know what 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 right. what's next what what are you going to do next right. yeah it's exciting thank you Yes, it is. And I love the support group aspect for the UK. That's wonderful because many times I think men do this support and we don't usually have them even having conversations at all. So it's, it's great to actually have a place, a safe space where people can connect and speak about how they're feeling without being judged. So that there was, is another. Yeah, there was another one as well. I'll just mention it because it's, again, anyone in the UK, it's relevant. Um, there was a chap recently called Chris Whitfield who um, he and his partner suffered a miscarriage and he went out to find male support and couldn't find any. And he started an initiative called Miscarriage for Men. 
um, and that's sort of gaining a lot of. He's he's, he's doing lo- he's doing loads of good work, talking to people. Um, you know, I think there's he has a support group as well for guys. Um, so if you just search uh, miscarriage for men, the guy's name is Chris Whitfield. He's worth looking at. Yeah, and that's another great point. You you noted that I love what he's doing as well because many times you you look at the female when there's been a pregnancy loss. Uh, oftentimes we don't pay any attention to the men and of yeah. course they've also lost the baby in that procedure so it's good to also create awareness and support them as well yeah and I, I can't I can't imagine that either you know if I think about our journey like I remember our excitement you know when when we did that pregnancy test like we were mm. ecstatic doesn't even come close to where you are when you get pregnant especially if you've you know especially if you've had challenges getting there but then to have that taken away like uh, yeah it's awful it is but it's good to keep creating this awareness and support because many many people need it and many people will benefit from it yeah yeah so thank you and if there's any man listening right now that's just been diagnosed with male factor infertility and confused or worried and unsure do you have any words of advice or anything that you think might help i think i think there's a few things really um the first one will be is that they're not on their own you know, although it feels like it and you feel like, you know, <laughs> no one else has ever been in this situation before and it's only happening to you and it's awful, which it is awful. Um, but you're not on your own. And there are, depend, depending on where you live, um, you know, there are there are support groups that you can talk to. Um, and even, even like Clubhouse, right? Like that, the group that you run, Ola, for... For, on the clubhouse um, on fertility, like it, and I'm like, there was a guy who yeah. came on, I can't remember his name, but I remember listening to him. I think he's a bit older, he's like 50, isn't it? And I was like, what? The guy's a legend. Like, he's just sharing his story openly. Like, you know, there is ways of getting to to other guys to ask questions and and and, and things. And I think I think the other one is, t- you know, you're not don't you know you're with your wife or your partner, you know, and or your husband, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's a, you know, it's a lean on your teammate, right? Um, and like, it's weird. I've spoke, I've listened to some guys say that they would never, would never ever talk to their friends about it. Whereas I was the opposite. I was like, I need to, I need to tell my mates. I need to get their thoughts. Um, and so it might be, I'd look at, I'd look at your close, at your tight, at your tight friends and, who could you talk to? And if it's easy, just do what I do and get drunk and then tell them. <clears throat> um, <laughs> um, and, um, but yeah, um, I would, uh, but the, all the, the, the theme here is talk to people, hmm. so, you know, whether it's your partner, you know, whether it's your family, if you can, you know, your friends, but ultimately also talk to, talk to you, to your partner about the, the questions. I, I was worried about all sorts of stuff. Like, I was worried about, you know, would my would my parents like hate me because, you know, 
like I'm the last male Dunkley or whatever, you know, like just stupid things, you know, like, but yeah, talk to people. Yeah. Thank you. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, perhaps they want to connect with you and, and just speak to you about how they're feeling, what's the best way to reach you? Well, I, th I think, I think um, there's a couple of ways. You could probably find me on LinkedIn um, if they're on, if, yeah, LinkedIn. Um, or you can go, to, if you, or you can go to um, LC Books. Probably a bit a better thing, actually. If you go to lcbooks.com, E-L-S-I-E books.com and then just drop an inquiry into there. It's probably the easiest thing. Or they can find me on your Clubhouse group. Yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah. Thank you. And as a wrap-up, Chris, um, if you had to go back in time to, I don't know, okay, the, the age group you're targeting, age 19, Chris, what would you tell him looking back? Well, I think if for me, for my personal circumstances, it would have been maybe maybe start trying earlier. Because if I start if I started trying earlier, I would have died. The problem would have been diagnosed sooner, and you know we'd be we'd be a we'd be a little bit younger now. So Elsie, you know, I'm thirty nine. Elsie's nine. So you know, I'd be maybe you know a couple of years. Younger, and the only and the and the only reason for that is so that I can still be young and fit when she's <laughs> twenty nine, and yeah. you know, or like, and I, I can still be, or even not twenty nine, but even when she's twenty, you know, yeah. I'll be, I'll be whatever, I'll be if she's, you know, four, wait, wait, she'll be, I'll be four, that's right, so I'll be fifty, I'll be fifty when she's twenty, um, and equally sixty when she's thirty, um. And that's the only re that's the only reason. Just uh, yeah, because my parents, I guess they're, they're they're sort of 60, 67. Um, but that yeah, I've gone off on a tangent again. Do you see that? I just went no, you haven't. Now a little. You see that? I just like my brain did, over here, over here, back on topic. Yeah, yeah. No, that was amazing. Yeah, and I think and I think if it was so, because obviously for me, um. I've got a I've got a situation where I just like full stop, like not going to happen. But for other, if it was me without client filters, then it would be you know, there's a low bar, there's a whole try try sooner is definitely the thing. Um, but also um, that awareness piece, which is a which is a whole other conversation um, about. It's about it's about really it's about starting to think. No, it's taking responsibility, isn't it? And starting to think about, it's almost asking the question, if you're 19, what what would you do if I told you in six years' time you can't have kids? Right. I don't know what the answer is. It's just a question, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not telling you anything. I'm asking you a question. Yeah. You can come to your own... Uh, you know, the, the, the 18 to 25 year old can come to their own decision about that. Mm. I think that's an important question because it just gets people thinking and just saying, okay, well, if that's the case, what can I do now? Or yeah. what should I be doing? Yeah, because, you know, because for us, we were like everybody else who tries to get pregnant, like, 
we wanted to have kids before my wife was 30 because in our head we had that as the age and yeah. then it took a bit longer um, you know and it's and actually the age is the cut off the, the, uh, the prime fertility age is 18 to 25 <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> so um, so yeah I think that's a really important question that we can ask it is Thank you so much, Chris. My it's, pleasure. It's, it's, it's been amazing having you on here, uh, sharing your story, telling us about the book you wrote for your daughter. That is so, so amazing, really. Uh, you just, that shows a whole lot of love and dedication just to let her know how she came, how much love brought her to, to, to be with you. Um, and then to be able to share that with the rest of the world, because you can see how proud that makes her, right? Sharing that story and taking the book to school as well. How many people can um, boast of their parents writing them a book? <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. Well done. So thank you so much for all you're doing to create awareness. I think it's really important to keep sharing your story. It's been amazing when I heard it. And when I, every time I hear your story, I think it's just amazing that you share and you're so open about it because even though you live in the UK, people here in Nigeria and other parts of the world can listen to it and just be inspired and just, again, know that there's nothing to be ashamed of, that they haven't done anything wrong. Right. It's just a condition and, that, and then think about the options and see what you want to move forward with. So yeah, thank you for all you do, for coming on the show today, for sharing, for inspiring us all, for all the amazing things that you have ahead and planning for our younger generation to to equip them and prepare them better for their own fertility. So it's been amazing. Thank you so much. I have been inspired and I'm sure the listeners have been as well. Thank you very much. Ola. Thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to having you again in the near future. Maybe even here in Nigeria, you come visit. I know. Well, listen, if it's going to be 35 <laughs> degrees, I'm going to have to bring a fridge. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just bring a portable fridge on some wheels and I can just get in every five minutes. You know, it was actually funny, funny, at a point in time about, I think about four weeks ago, um, someone had gone to the market and some people had ice tied to their heads because it was so hot. It's literally <laughs> going to be me. Yeah. So, you know, it's not really, uh, it is possible that people do that. So, yeah. Yeah, well, maybe, you so maybe, you, maybe you and your partner can come to the UK and say that. <laughs> that, that sounds better. <laughs> yeah, that sounds better for all of us. Yeah, good. <laughs> Thank you so much. And do have a wonderful day. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'll see you soon. Thank you, Walla. See you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the Fertility Conversations podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Fertility Conversations. If there are any topics you would like to have discussed, please send an email to fertilityconversations at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Thank you again for listening. Take care of yourself and do stay hopeful.